Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 98. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? Hey John, I'm doing great. As usual, I've just finished a nice hot cup of coffee. Hot being the key word there. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip, John. Awesome, Nick. Hey, today on the the chalkboard that we uh, share across uh, states, it looks like the topic is me. Yes, uh, the topic is you, John, because you're an interesting kind of guy. So here's what I want you to think about. When you write the John White memoir, how would you reflect back on that one-year anniversary at Google Cloud? That's that's what we want to hear about. Does that sound good? Um. Well, I don't know about the John White memoir part, but I think, uh, yeah, it's just about my one-year anniversary at Google Cloud. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's okay. talk about uh, what's been going on there. One year, that's, I mean, that's a big deal. One year in the same role. So tell us, remind us what you do for Google exactly. Job title, responsibilities, all the good stuff. Sure. So I'm a customer engineer at Google Cloud, which is the public cloud uh, provider part of Google. Google, and uh, that is a pre-sales technical engineering role. So, you know, different places call it different things, system engineer, sales engineer, pre-sales technical engineer. Uh, sometimes it's called a solution architect, although at Google Cloud, that's a slightly different role. Um, but, you know, that that's it. I, like, I'm the frontline technical resource for um, a couple salespeople, you know, as they try to make sales. Um, and I'm their technical expert at the Google Cloud product portfolio. And I am the one who talks about, you know, the technical capabilities of the product. Um, when we're customer facing, you know, I can advise them and come up with a, a technical point of view and strategy for how to talk about the sales territory and um, maybe the segment of the market that they're covering, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I help them overall with their their territory management. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the job. It's very, very similar um, to the role that I had at VMware uh, before I left VMware. And it's just, um, it's obviously slightly different in the execution. And how big is your customer base, roughly? And how many account reps do you support? So right now, I support two reps. I think that's the model that we're using in the San Francisco region, you know, out of the San Francisco office. That, that seems to be what we're doing. Um, and, and really what that means is I'm the stateful, um, customer engineer. That is like, I'm the one who maintains state and, you know, is always on call for those two reps. Now, you know, that we're slightly different in our organization. That doesn't mean I'm the only customer engineer that works with them. Um, but, but that's how we do it. Now, as for the number of customers, like I have, I would say about 15, um, I don't have a more accurate count and, you know, they range in size from, um, kind of startup, you know, born in the cloud customers to, you know, extremely large, um, healthcare, you know, hospital, um, accounts. So, you know, runs the gamut, although they are all in what uh, Google cloud calls the enterprise space. It's just, you know, Google cloud might define that slightly differently than VMware did. Sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. What about the sales engineering job itself at Google Cloud instead of a role like tech marketing, management, or some other path that maybe you thought could be an option for you? Sure. So I think, you know, as I was progressing in my career at VMware, I did not take the time to set myself up um, to pursue a different type of of job role. That is, I wasn't pursuing, 
you know, excellence in uh, solution engineering, which is what the the title was at VMware. And at the same time, setting myself up to do more tech marketing. Uh, I wasn't setting myself up to also be a people manager. Um, I wasn't pursuing that like aggressively. Um, either one of those things. I wasn't aggressively pursuing becoming a product manager. Um, you know, I think um, there were things that I was doing that could have started me along the, the, that road. It's just I left before that really uh, came to fruition. But um, so I think like when the opportunity, you know, and came along to, you know, start looking for a different role, um, you know, I was looking for that same role. Makes sense. And even at a, at another company, the responsibilities could be very different. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think, you know, the biggest difference is probably not the kinds of things that I'm doing. It's just the organization that I'm doing them in and like the type and the customer mix, you know, that's different. And of course the products. What about the team structure, for example, your team of peers or team of specialists that you work with? Sure. Yeah. I think that that is different. Um, well, the, the first, you know, biggest thing is that we're kind of in a pooled model. So we, we, the, I would say group of 15 people that my manager manages, like we can all kind of mix and match. And, you know, so we have different strengths when it comes to product mix. So when there's a gap in my knowledge about a product, I can bring in one of my peers who has more um, experience in that product and they can help fill in or even take primary, uh, you know, on a specific project or even take over as primary um, as the kind of stateful uh, customer engineer for that customer. Um, so we can swap in and out that way. A little bit more freedom to do that. Usually it's, you know, you start working as in an additive way as opposed to um, swapping out. But, you know, there's the freedom to do that as well. Um, we have very similar overlay uh, structures, which is, you know, product specialists who specialize in, in things like um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, for example, or analytics or, or databases and storage. Um, there's a, those are all, you know, specialized, uh, specialists who are co-located with us. That is like, um, there's an entire team of those specialists in the same San Francisco office. Um, obviously right now, none of us is going into the office because we're recording in, late 2020 when everybody's worked from home because of COVID. But, you know, while we were in the office, they, they were all physically present there. There's a more national team, um, some national teams that cover things like G Suite, like all G Suite business is handled by a national team. So I don't even really, really get involved in that except to, you know, oh, there's an, there's a, an opportunity. Um, so we'll bring in the G Suite specialist. There's a, there's also um, like a security and compliance team. That's a really big deal when it comes to cloud services. So if there's an engagement where somebody needs to understand those things, um, then I bring in, there's a center of excellence. So there's a, a customer engineering team for that. Um, same thing for like some of our overall security products, um, even yet another security overlay team. Um, so yeah, some of the, the, the recent acquisitions have their own teams as well. So um, I think there's a company called Apogee that we bought um, and they have their own customer engineering team. Um, it's more API management, I think. Um, and they kind of get, you know, eventually mixed in with the app application modernization team. But right now they're just completely separate. But just to make it clear for all the listeners, you have assimilated to G Suite as a standard, right? <laughs> yes, like ironically... Um, I, I saw it as a big, uh, gap. <laughs> I know that you're joking about that, but I saw it as like, Ooh, I don't want to, to transition to, to G suite. Um, and it was one of the reasons it was an odd reason, but I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I can walk away from, uh, from, you know, from PowerPoint and Excel and word, but I'm a complete, you know, convert now. Um, you know, now that I've worked in real time, um, you know, collaboration within those tools and, um, you know, assigning people tasks from within a, a, a Google doc 
or a, a sheet, you know, like you just tag a specific section and say, Hey, at, you know, so-and-so I need you to fill in this, uh, this information here and they get a notification and they can even start like jumping in the dock and working, you know, right alongside you while you're still in it. And that's, um, you know, f I'm fully converted to that. It's a, uh, it's great. I still think that like, there's no, there's no Visio. So if you're a heavy Visio user, um, you know, you need to, um, add in other things, but there's cloud services that we use. So yeah, I've been pretty happy with, uh, <laughs> G suite. Nice. Hey, it's all about the tools. You have to like what you use so you can be productive. That's right, great. Right. And I love to give you a hard time, of course. Now, <laughs> I think there was a difference in the way compensation was structured in this role compared to the last one. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think that, you know, there's a couple things there. Um, for anybody who is um, in this role of, you know, pre-sales um, technical resource, you know, there is a, usually what happens is that you're assigned to a territory and there's a rep that's covering that territory and you have the same attainment that that representative in that territory has. So, you know, if I'm covering rep A and rep A makes, you know, 105% of their quota, then I'm making 105% of my quota. And if you're covering two reps, then, you know, whatever they're quota adds up to is your total quota now you know and i'm sorry if you know you know not everybody who's listening to this podcast works in a pre-sales technical role so you know they don't understand necessarily um that we even have uh, sales quotas now we're supposed to you know really not worry about our quota attainment in general you know and basically act as a technical resource without regards to you know um, sales attainment. So we are compensated in a very different ratio than a sales rep. So I feel like at Google, you know, sales reps, like most of their comp, like they might have like 40% of their total projected total compensation is, uh, is, uh, you know, they earn on a weekly basis or, you know, by monthly basis. And then 60%, um, is from quota attainment. So in the industry that's known as, you know, 40, 60, right? You, your, your baseline is 40% and your attainment covers 60%. And, you know, I think at VMware, I was 75, 25. So 75% of my, um, you know, my, uh, compensation was just base. Right. And, and so at Google cloud, it's a little bit lower. It's, it's 70, 30, um, so it's slightly different. Now, the way that quotas work, though, is completely different. And that is um, my quota is basically aligned with my manager's quota. So my manager covers not, you know, one sales manager, but two different sales managers. So the total quota that those two sales managers has is my manager's sales quota and as a result my sales quota so all of my colleagues and i have that same sales quota so that's why we can mix and match on deals you know according to our expertise is because we don't actually have an and there's no disincentive to keep somebody from coming in and i don't know stealing the glory or sorry maybe it, it's it's works the other way you know why would i help somebody other than out of the goodness of my heart or culturally on their deal. If they, you know, if I do an amazing job and they, you know, make a whole lot of money because of that deal, like, but there's no sales compensation when it comes to me. So it, there's kind of a, there's not really a strong incentive to help out your colleagues um, from a sales compensation perspective and at least at Google cloud, you know, in the enterprise space, sometimes you have these like extremely large deals where there's a ton of different workflows and it might expand and expand, you know, to, you know, huge, massive, complicated overall deal. And there's a bunch of different technical, um, lines that need to be chased down and it might honestly be more than one person can do. So at that point, bringing in additional people um, becomes very easy because everybody's um, sales compensation is aligned. 
with that. And even though you're only talking about 30% of your total compensation, it's still, you know, enough to sting if somebody else makes attainment for, uh, you know, a giant deal and you helped with, you know, 30 to 40% of that deal when you're, you know, not getting compensated for it. So, um, you know, there's just a, a strong collaborative environment and, you know, just keeping track of what everybody's working on and whether they need help at any given moment. So I was also, you know, felt a lot more free to ask for help, right? Because I was taking up people's time, but it was also in their interest. Yeah, that that makes sense. And uh, money drives behavior, so. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. theoretically, you should have like a strong cultural basis where, it's, where you say, oh, no, you just pitch in, even though it's, you know, not in your best, you know, it doesn't, your, your compensation is not necessarily aligned. I, I think that grates, um, on people because usually it's your manager or director that's asking you to do that. And their compensation is aligned with you helping out. So if, um, you know, if I'm in a role where there is no compensation for me helping somebody else and my manager asked me to do that and I have the time to do that, then, you know, culturally I should, but economically there's no incentive to do that. And my manager or, you know, director might say, but you should do it out of, you know, because out of cultural goodness and for the good of the company, it's easy for them to say that because their compensation is aligned with you doing that. Right. So, you know, there's, it's, it's a little bit tough to hear from somebody whose economic uh, interest is in you helping um, when it isn't in your economic interest to do so. So at, at least right now at Google Cloud into the current compensation structure, which obviously could always change, um, that is wiped away. Um, you know, there's all the economic incentive to do so. Nice. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that before you shared that with me. That's, that's good to know. Of course, you're going to find that out in the initial interviews if you're interviewing for a pre-sales technical role. Always good to make sure you understand the compensation structure and that you're comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. Also, the portfolio that you cover is a bit different. How big is the set of products compared to what you covered when you were at VMware? Ooh, yeah. Um, I think the VMware portfolio was always growing. And it was just starting to expand out of you know, what one could reasonably start to, you know, feel comfortable knowing at a 200 level across the board. And I think at Google Cloud, it is larger than that already. And specifically because the types of products can be like extremely deep and complex to understand at a 200 level, you know, to be able to like say directly demo um, all of the product portfolio is just unreasonable. Um, you know, to to do like a deep G Suite demo, for example, is probably out of my capabilities just because I don't even know, you know, the sales process and, and the, the driving factors to do that. Um, same thing for like deep, like machine learning, like that's a fairly deep discipline. Um, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, and machine learning is something that when you're pitching it, you're often pitching it to people with um backgrounds like you know data scientists might have like a master's or phd in in that activity or you know um that specific thing you know as a sub specialty in either biology or you know computational biology or computer science um and uh you know computational statistics like the, these are all things that you know you have to have deep knowledge in in order to really intelligently talk to somebody who is in that field. Um, so either you focus on it, you know, fairly deeply, and that's like one of the few things that you focus on, um, or you just bring in a specialist. So like, like I, I just, there's, it's going to take time, you know, way more time to, to get deep on that. And the same thing for just pure analytics. Um, it's just not something that I had deep knowledge of, you know, data warehousing, data lakes. I think I might've said earlier on, um, when we, when I first came over that, you know, I really couldn't have told you what a data warehouse was before I came to Google, Google cloud, you know, and that was after four years at VMware. 
<laughs> um, and, you know, 15 years in, in IT before that. And it was, you know, 10 years ago, like, you know, I could have related it to business intelligence somehow, you know, something about analytics, but, it, you know, couldn't have really told you what a data warehouse was and, and what, what the goal of a data lake was and how it was different from a data warehouse. Um, you know, so that that's deep knowledge. And then even databases, right? Understanding, you know, eight different database engines is uh, and what you use them for. Like, you know, each one of those things can be like a fairly deep dive, um, different types of storage. Um, and then, you know, different security products, networking in the cloud. Um, so, you know, I would say the breadth and it's tough to compare, but like, I think the depth of knowledge that is required to be, you know, really proficient and, and excellent in each of the different areas is a steeper climb. Um, that, that's the difference, I think. Okay. Well, you're the kind of guy who's up for that kind of intellectual challenge. I know. Yeah. Now, now what about this, John? I remember when you first started, you made the transition from a hundred percent field facing solution engineer role to a customer engineer at Google who was expected to come into the office each day. Right. Yeah. That was a big, big shift. And, um, that was a rough one. You know, it added to my commute, uh, my daily commute, you know, it became like a daily 40 to 50 minute commute. Um, and, at VMware, I would go into the VMware headquarters because I'm located in the Bay Area. And, you know, that was kind of a cool thing to take advantage of, you know, office space and meeting rooms and, you know, snacks and stuff like that. But I could really pick and choose when I was doing that, you know, weekly, you know, every other week, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, it was my choice. And that was a big shift. Um, and it was a big change, but the benefits were really high um, because I was face to face with my colleagues, face to face with those technical specialists, you know, and they aren't just people that you're on a conference call with, you know, and then all of a sudden you meet at like a, you know, a mixer or something for the first time, you know, four months later. Um, and you know, or at, you know, annually at a sales kickoff, right? You, it's like the, the only times that you really maybe see some of these people. And, you know, that is, you can see them, you know, a bunch of times just passing in the hallway. Um, you know, a thought occurs to you when you see somebody, you can just go to lunch, like, cause you're going to lunch every day with a bunch of people. So the cross pollination and hearing what other people are working on and getting ideas and asking your dumb questions in a, in a social context, um, you know, all that stuff, you know, just gets smoothed out. And and I, you know, now that we have to work from home, I really miss all that stuff. I don't miss the commute. I will say that. But I miss all of the, like, the benefits that came from mixing on a daily basis in a face-to-face way, and especially eating meals together. Like, we would have breakfast meetings, you know, because you could get breakfast at the Google offices, and, you know, just talk about stuff you know those great way to meet you know people that were just joining the team um same thing for for going to lunch it was just such a benefit and so moving to work from home you know i really miss that so you're telling me they don't have smoked meat as a service for free through google because of working from home no no i'm totally totally diy for smoked meats that's too bad well you you take what you can get right (laughs) How about this one, John? You had a lot of experience in that sales engineer role when you first started at Google Cloud, but anytime you started a new company, you lack that internal knowledge of the organization and its practices. What was that like going into it for you? Yeah. Oh, man. That was a much bigger deal than I thought, and it took a lot longer to come to terms with it than I thought. Um, You know, sitting here at about a year... I'm thinking, okay, I've gotten my mind around it. You know, not only like the the structure of the teams, but also the processes of involving them. I think it it literally has taken a year 
for that to happen. Like which teams do what and when do you call them in? Like that was a very, very difficult thing for me to learn. Like we have, like I mentioned, you know, overlay specialists and even that process of calling them in and the best practices for doing that, I think I kind of got settled into that at like nine, 10 months. Um, there's another team, like I mentioned, like the solution architect role, you know, is a different one from the customer engineering role at Google Cloud. And when do I call in those solution architects? You know, they actually tend to be more code driven, um, as well as having like a, a product over overlay. So they've worked on integrating actually some of those products and, and writing the code and can can provide some of the examples for doing that. Um, product managers, you know, I think that's, you know, very similar to involving product managers at VMware. So that wasn't as much of a change. We have a new role and title in the customer engineering organization called an enterprise cloud architect. And their differentiation from a customer engineer is very subtle, right? Very, very subtle, tend to be a little bit more, um, program management experience and just handling multiple threads on complex deals and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that just like when you would need one, when you need to involve somebody, any one of those roles is, it just takes time to understand, like, you know, you need to have it explained to you like 20 times, right? Um, because you're learning so many other things, you know, um, at the same time. Um, and I just found like that need to be humble was just so important to say, I am not an expert at this and that's okay. You know, I will gain competence over time at when to involve whom. And I just need to repeatedly ask for guidance on this and have it explained to me over and over again. And then actually one of the things that I've taken upon myself is to, when I identify these types of things, I'm, I'm writing a document on this is like, this was something that took me a long time to figure out at Google Cloud. And if you're joining Google Cloud or joining the customer engineering organization at Google Cloud, you need to, you know, here's a document for you to understand this. And as an outsider, you know, who had to learn this, like it's maybe those types of things that are maybe institutional knowledge and like it's very clear to people who've been on the inside for a long time, oh, this is when you do this and this is how to do it. Like that is not clear to an outsider. So only an outsider knows when that documentation and that knowledge is tribal and not explicit, right? It sounds like you're you're documenting your career progression lessons to share with others. Yeah. So that eventually it's going to lead to your own progression. Maybe you can show that to your manager that you've done it and you've helped onboard this many new people and that helps you get that next raise. Oh yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought about that in that way. I think I was just thinking about it in a, you know, here's some sandpaper to remove the friction. Right. Cause it's taken me, like I said, the better part of a year to figure some of this stuff out. And I think that's too long a time, right? It should be explicitly, um, stated somewhere and then maintained by somebody. So since I haven't been able to find it, maybe it has been, you know, explicitly stated, you know, maybe even during like orientation, but then that orientation material is stuff that you just might not revisit, um, ever again. Uh, you know, and then new positions are constantly being created. Like there's a solution manager position, which is different from a product manager position and a solution architect position. So what does that person do? And, and when do you involve them in your deals, um, you know, or opportunities, right? So, you know, I think when I was joining, like somebody asked like, well, what do solution managers do? And the person was like, I don't, think that's a role that we have at Google Cloud and somebody's like I'm a solution manager and it's just been created in the last like month <laughs> right so um you know obviously like anybody who had tribal knowledge of everything before you know that tribal knowledge is no good for this you know brand new role so so on and so forth yeah it's you know you know maybe i don't know like Maybe if I maintain this document and get a lot of feedback from other people and, you know, improve the quality of the output, then it could be, you know, 
a document that could be presented to new customer engineers um, and sales reps during their orientation. You know, that's a very strong possibility. And, uh, you know, and then maybe it could be a career enabler for me. But I mean, regardless, I think it just needs to be done. So, yeah. So you did it. That's awesome. Yeah. What about the customer base? It seems a little bit different than what you experienced at VMware. Yeah. So I mentioned that, you know, there's probably a lot more cloud native customers, especially um, out of San Francisco than, you know, in the overall Google customer portfolio, customer mix. Um, You know, VMware is a product that traditionally gets installed on physical computers that people own and more and, you know, more and more that there's, you know, Google or uh, sorry, VMware as a service um, that was always available through service providers. And now it's starting to be available through the mega cloud providers as well. Um, but it's still, you know, heavily, I would say, weighted in, you know, traditional IT shops, traditional companies on premises. And that is just not true at Google Cloud. I mean, you know, there's still a lot of that, but you might as well have like a heavy cloud user who, you know, was just never, never a VMware customer at all. Maybe they've never bought a product from, you know, Dell or HP and never bought routers from Cisco, right? So, but they could still spend millions of dollars a year in technology because they're born in the cloud and they just never, you know, bought any of that stuff, you know, from the traditional on-premises providers. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, kind of, you know, that the customer mix is different. Now, you know, that being said, I'm working, like a lot of my customers come from um, a, what I would call, you know, Greenfield. Like they're not already customers of Google Cloud, uh, the vast majority of my customers. Um, so that is a situation that, you know, despite my seniority at VMware, I had never worked in that position before. I kind of missed out on the the group of, you know, VMware uh, solution engineers or systems engineers who were trying to bring VMware to people for the first time. Um, by the time I made it to VMware, it was, you know, the established how you do IT in traditional IT shops is through virtualization, you know not fast fields of like, you know, bare metal operating system installs. At Google Cloud, you know, cloud is not necessarily new um, to to people who are buying technology. You know, a lot of people don't run Microsoft Exchange on premises anymore. They subscribe to Office 365. But that doesn't mean that they're comfortable with um, cloud technologies for huge parts of their portfolio, you know, or a lot of their intellectual property sitting in a cloud provider instead of on their servers, right? So change that, like, that's really different. And even if they are, they probably have bought from Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure because Amazon was first and they probably have a big relationship with Microsoft already because of Office 360 and um, Windows Server and all those things, right? So it's a very different job to be breaking into a customer from the first time rather than when I was a VMware um, solution engineer, systems engineer, where the customers were already, I would say, probably already spent a million dollars on VMware at some point in, you know, over their history. So really what I was doing was managing their growth and then managing trying to help them understand the value of additional products within the VMware portfolio. They just hadn't thought about, they had thought about VMware only as a hypervisor company. And I wanted to help them understand the different parts of the, the VMware portfolio that they were maybe missing out on. Um, at Google cloud, sometimes they haven't thought about Google as anything except a search company and, you know, Android, and they haven't thought about Google at all as a technology provider. You know, um, is that even possible? Is is any of the stuff that Google's doing relevant to what I'm doing? Um, and if so, like, 
can I just buy it from Amazon, which I'm maybe I'm already doing it, or Microsoft, who I already buy stuff from, right? So it's it's just a very very different job. At least you could put them on the map with Google Maps. Think about it like that. <laughs> right. Well. No, actually, because I don't represent. That's another thing that I don't represent in Google right. Cloud. But uh, there's a whole anyway. separate Maps team. But I know, I know you're making a joke, and I'm smiling and laughing on the inside, as usual. How about that? <laughs> how about the career progression lesson from this particular new customer interaction? Yeah, I think that it's a muscle for pre-sales technical people that they should probably be exercising because you never know when you might be working at a place that is doing that, right? So, you know, talking to customers about, you know, a different line of business that your organization has is very closely aligned with talking to a customer um, who hasn't bought anything at all from you. Um, but, but it's different. It's different. Making that first sale to a customer is different. And and even that, I'm I'm not sure, you know, coming to Google Cloud is a fair representation of that. Like I would say getting a call back when you call and you say, Hey, I work at Google is maybe a little bit easier than if you leave a message saying that you're from a startup that nobody's ever heard of. Right. Sure. So it carries a, some weight. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think within the technology industry, people do think about Google as like a giant machine learning and, you know, data science uh, type of operation if, again, if they're inside the industry. So, um, yeah. And, and, and it's also not fair to say that they've never bought anything from Google. Like most of the companies we call on, like, Buying Google Ads is probably one of their top marketing line items, right? But it's just a completely different relationship from the ads team, which works and you know it's it's completely outside of Google Cloud, so um, it's you know not the same business basically. Yeah, well, it's kind of an exercise in education when I think about it, because you're educating this potential customer on some things your company does that they might not know about. Yeah. It's not that you weren't doing that before, but you're presenting the company and this whole new area of innovation that they just didn't know about to them for the first time. Yeah, that's exactly true. That You, you said it very succinctly. Um, I, I just pulled a John White on John White I like that <laughs> on, on record. Well, it wasn't a, a question. It's just a statement. <laughs> then it's definitely a John White. but back to the questions how about that new customer segment being healthcare i don't think that was something that you covered before that's true yeah so at vmware healthcare was um a very specific vertical segment and i wasn't in that vertical right um at google cloud technically um there's a very specific list of healthcare customers that are also in a vertical focus, which I'm also not in. <laughs> so um, I'm kind of working in the vertical while not being part of the vertical. And, and internally what that means is like, if you have a vertical team, it's probably a specific uh, sales management team and a specific sales reps, which are all you know inside the umbrella of that vertical. So my manager, isn't a customer engineering manager of healthcare and life sciences reps. Um, uh, sorry, customer engineers. And the sales manager that my reps report to is not a sales manager of healthcare and life sciences reps. Like it's just mixed in. Um, so, you know, that is a, also a new experience. Um, the good news is that we can take advantage of all the learnings and all the um, stuff that the healthcare and life sciences vertical team is doing and pumping out and just apply it to our customers. Right. So, so that's, that's always a good thing. Um, And, you know, some of the expertise that they're like healthcare and life sciences, a CE team, customer engineering team is, uh, has learned, you know, we can call in on them and, and maybe even, you know, shadow them when they're 
where they're when they're doing those kinds of things to to get um, better oriented. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very different. I would say, like, you know, that's that was a big change to just have to learn about a completely new industry or have to learn about an industry and all of its jargon, you know, their buying patterns, their motivations, you know, before, you know, not that much of what I was doing was like a specific vertical, right? So if I had a uh, silicon, you know, chip manufacturer, then I had to be vaguely aware of the stuff that f they focused on or an auto manufacturer that was not one of the, you know, big three, big five, big however many, then, you know, I, you know, would kind of, you know, learn a little bit about it, but not really be that industry focused to having, you know, 80% of my customers in a specific, you know, vertical focus. Well, now you have to really understand and have an opinion about how technology is used in that um, industry and bring that point of view along with you and understand how the product portfolio is in that. And, and that's just very, very different from what I did before. Um, so, you know, a really big growth opportunity for me. I think uh, it's been really exciting, that part, just learning so much about an industry. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of fresh and new. Yeah. I could see that. Now, how about this overwhelming new set of products that you didn't have that much experience with going into it? I remember you being a little nervous about that at, at first. Yeah. Um, still nervous. You know, have my head around it a little bit better um, a year in. Like, it's again, it's taken the better part of a year to get comfortable with that. Um, and I think a big part of that is just, again, the need to be humble. Um, we had a whole um architecture certification that you know is kind of one of the deliverables in the first 12 weeks and you have you know kind of eight weeks you know up front to do training on that and really not have to be customer facing at all so there's a you know a big block of time that's you know um there just for your ramp up and that's amazing and great it's also uh not really enough time to really be competent on so many different products like i said with such a depth of complexity about them so it's taken me a year like i said to get my head around that and you know i was looking back at i think one of the episodes that we did i think it was probably our um the episode 23 yeah um which was i think um my three-year review at, at um, VMware. That's right. Yeah. And I said it took like a year to get to like competency in the job. And then you have to work at being proficient at it. Like, you know, the next step up and that's the same. It's, it's just, I thought, you know, Hey, I, you know, now that I've done it once before, like I can be, you know, so much better at that and do, nope, nope. Still took a year to get competent and then work on being proficient. So, you know, what does that say? Is that a me thing? Um, you know, hopefully, you know, the stuff that I went through, I can document well enough so that uh, other people can, you know, have an accelerated timeline. I, I just don't know. Um, but I, again, I think that, uh, being open to being humble and knowing that I am not an expert at these things and I don't need to be an expert and all I have to do is work on gaining competency and not be afraid to ask what might seem like stupid questions in an open forum in front of my peers like that, you know, has served me well. Not everybody's like that, right? So every time somebody else has come on, you know, I've, you know, offered, I was like, hey, if you want to ask like one person who's not going to judge you because, you know, they're not worried about being judged, feel free to ask me. And if nothing else, I can if I don't know the answer, I'll ask it in the open forum if you're worried about that, right? Because like I said, I'm just not afraid of asking what might be perceived to be a dumb question. Because if I don't know it, then I probably do need to know it, right? Yeah. Well, that, that brings up a question I had, John. It sounds like if I want to get a job at a technology company or some place that requires some knowledge of this portfolio of products... I may not have to know that much about them to get the job. 
is is there hope for the person who applies who may not know anything about the portfolio at all? So I would say that your best bet is to have one of two things. One is deep domain knowledge. That is, you know a lot about the products. Um, you've um, applied them. You've helped implement them. Um, and maybe even helped sell them before. Like that's that's one path. And then the other path is to have also deep domain knowledge, but about technical sales, right? Or or whatever like the job role is. So you've done the job role just in a different domain, you know, not having that same product mix. So those are the two two ways. So um, there's a third way, which is. Um, becoming a little bit more common because at least in the specific job that we have and, you know, pre-sales technical engineers, like there's just not enough of us out there. So more and more companies are investing in ways to recruit people straight out of college to come in as an extremely junior version of that role. And um, I think it's interesting because probably nobody ever thinks, oh, I want to be in technical sales. Like, when they're in junior high or high school or college. Like I, it's just a role that I'd never heard of. I, okay. I'll say this. It's a role I had never heard of. And my father had the title. Okay. He, he was a technical sales representative for Eastman Kodak. And I just never connected that with what I'm doing until well after I was doing it. Okay. So with the benefit of me, having a family history of doing that thing, just not in the technology industry and in the phot photography industry and photo finishing, I still didn't know the role existed. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, recruiting into it is, is just a tough thing. Um, so that is, you know, that third way. And then I think, you know, that, you know, opening up different pathways, I think is going to be a big advantage to companies that are trying to recruit into this type of role, you know, cause it's a big risk, right? The, the ideal candidate is somebody who's done the job in a different part of the country, <laughs> right? And, and they're just happen to be moving to your geography. Like that's the ideal candidate, you know, already does the job, but working for the company that you're working for and you're just, Oh, I'm happy. I happen to be recruiting and you happen to be moving here. That's the ideal candidate. Right. And of that, course. that, that, that doesn't actually solve the problem for the company, which is, Hey, we need more people to do this role because we're expanding as an organization. Right. Hopefully, hopefully expanding. Um, and Google cloud is expanding, you know, trying to expand very, very quickly. So has like probably an even more acute, you know, need for that, that, uh, that uh, recruiting has probably a, a more acute recruiting problem. So, yeah, that makes sense. Good points. So, if you if you feel like you are have a an additional way to get here, um, you dear listener, um, let me know <laughs> because I I would be interested in in knowing those alternative paths. Like I, I don't claim to know them all, right? So if you think that there's some other way. Like, I think that, um, you know, that would be great. And, and I would say I've recommended people with deep, like pre-sales engineering, like knowledge, and they still haven't like necessarily even gotten like a formal interview, like started the, like the, the, what we used to call the onsite interview process, just because they didn't have like a general knowledge of like public cloud and you still needed like a baseline of that in order to even probably get started and it's probably true at vmware like you know if i came in with like a um heavy heavy telecommunications you know pre-sales technical engineering background but didn't know anything about virtualization or desktop or security products or public cloud which are you know kind of the the main areas that vmware has then probably wouldn't be a good fit to even start that process probably would say hey you know get some knowledge about that first you know if you have no knowledge about it so you know same thing at google cloud yeah excellent points well on that note john i want to time check us here because i don't want to go too long 
Are there any other career lessons learned that you want to add real quick before we wrap this episode? By the way, hint, hint, we're going to go to a part two because there's more to the story. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. We're like halfway into what we were prepared for. So yeah, I would say, you know, you know, for somebody who's breaking in, like just identifying like what it is that you want to do, you know, early on and, and being open to, you know, kind of non-traditional roles and, and listening to, you know, podcasts like ours, but there's other ones like, you know, for example, there's two podcasts that I can think of, um, on pre-sales technical engineering. Um, and you know, we can put the, the links in the show notes about that and people who have, you know, broken into, you know, we had Ramsey Marjaba on and he has, you know, um, his like, se um community that he's even built so you know we can uh refer people over there but you know if you're just trying to get into it in general like that's a non-traditional role anyway like how do you how do you, you know most people don't have like a college degree in it management right like where what school has that there's a few but not a bunch so um yeah like think you know open your mind up and educate yourself to the different types of jobs that are out there. So, you know, you can go to various jobs, uh, various companies and say like what technical jobs are available. You know, software engineering is a very traditional role in, but like what are the other types of roles? Is there analytics? Is there database management? Is there, you know, what other things are out there that maybe you could um, gain expertise in, or maybe you have that expertise already and, and be like, um, not like this traditional hire of traditional job role, like doctor, dentist, accountant, lawyer, software engineer starting to become one of those things, right? But what other things are there? Project management, database management, technologist in general. So anyway, I'll stop High school math teacher. Yeah, teacher, you know, college professor, very traditional. So with that, um, yeah, I think that's it um, from me before we wrap so how about you did you have any other questions before we get out of here no i'm going to save them for the sequel john okay sound good sounds good to me just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening we want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder we're collectively on twitter at nerd journey all right farewell listeners Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Adios.